kids playing sport safely. That's what we all want and it's what the Australian Sports Commission and the Australian Childhood Foundation is working towards to ensure all children are protected appropriately. This is being done through the National Safeguarding of Children in Sports Strategy, which is a plan for improving existing policies, as well as an opportunity to create educational tools and programs to help all sports at all levels improve their approach to child safety. In this ASE podcast, the ASE's Director of Culture and Leadership in the Sports Governance and Business Capability team, Merrilee Barnes, is talking to Dr Joe Tucci, the CEO of the Australian Childhood Foundation. And they're talking about the importance of getting the safeguarding of children right. Hi Joe, thanks for joining us today. Thanks Merrilee. First of all, let's start with a, with a pretty overarching question. Why do you think safety for children is so important in sport? Well, I think that safety for kids is important because it's what they need as the basis for anything that they do. If kids aren't feeling safe and aren't actually safe, then they can't learn, they can't engage with other people in relationships. Um, They're not at their best. And I think what sport is about is trying to maximise children's potential, is trying to get them... Um, to uh, in, participate in an activity, to challenge themselves, to um, learn how to be part of a team often. All of those sorts of elements of sport that we love and that we, we believe that children benefit from all start with children's own sense of safety and, those, and that safety is in the relationships around them. And if kids aren't feeling safe, then they're not able to, to really do this. The, they're not really able to fulfil sports ambition of helping them to grow and develop. So for me, uh, sport is at its best when it's also keeping children safe. Why, why do you think it's important for the sports sector to review and revise its child safety policies and processes? Well, I think that sport, like um, any other kind of major cultural institution has had to face the reality of uh, the fact that children over the last 50, 60, 70 years have been hurt by adults that have used the, the activity or the institution itself to build relationships with children and their families in such a way that they've gained access to kids. And So on one level, what we're seeing in the community and in the media is this kind of ongoing reporting about the impact in particular of sexual abuse on children as a result of adults who have managed to exploit the the program, the activity, the institution that they've worked in or volunteered in and Um, have ended up getting access to children. So we're seeing that report and we're seeing the damage that it's caused to children. So for me, sport has a challenge. It already has a lot of great things about it in relation to the way that it engages children and families. But it also needs to understand that there are probably more risks than it has been uh, aware of in the past and that those risks need to be addressed. And you can't just address risks by looking to fix problems. You've got to have an eye to 
the kind of culture that you want to develop and promote that culture in a way that then supports you managing or addressing the risks that you have identified in, in your environment. So to me, the idea around creating a, a child-safe sport to strengthen sporting organisations so that they're more child-safe than what they are is really about um, engaging or starting on a process of, of strengthening a culture and a commitment to children um, that will that should never stop. It starts to you know it starts from where it starts, but it keeps going. And and um, I think that's what we're trying to do in the project that we're working on with the with the ASC with you, Merrily, is is trying to have a long term vision about the way that sport can strengthen its its protectiveness of children and realise the safety that children need in order to participate in sport fully. Just um, while we're on that subject about the, the strategy, what's the Australian Childhood Foundation's role in the National Safeguarding Children in Sports Strategy? We've had this wonderful role of being able to work with um, you know the national sporting organisations, with the state sport departments and other kinds of stakeholders, including the, the Sports Commission itself. So we've had this wonderful kind of set of conversations and discussions over the last probably three or four years now, where what has been the focus of that conversation is how do you create a child-safe sport culture? And the project that has kind of continued to evolve has really firstly benchmarked what Australia is doing in relation to child safe sport compared to what the rest of the world's doing. So that's one of the things that we did. We've tried to also understand where we're starting from so that we can tell when, as we make changes, as the sporting community makes changes over the next few years, how that change is going, whether we're actually achieving the goals of creating this kind of culture of child-safe sport or, and strengthening it. So we need to know where we are now. So we've done a project that has kind of um, set the baseline for that so we can track it over a period of time. And then more recently, and probably the most exciting part, I think, for, for sport is the development of what we're calling a toolkit that will enable all sport, those sports that are well on their way to developing the culture that's going to be effective in protecting children and those that are still kind of starting in the early stages of that process. We've developed a toolkit that will support them through all the stages, all of the kinds of strategies that they need to put in place to get to the end point where they can say, we're now on our way to being a child-safe sport. So what are the policies and procedures that we've got in place? Do people in our sport know what they are? Are they living and breathing them? Do children and, and families um, have a say in the way that our sport is run? Do, do we, uh, as a sport, commit ourselves to child protection? Have we got the, an understanding of the screening approaches to making sure that we know the backgrounds of people who are, who are volunteering and, and working in our sport? Do we have a code of conduct that, you know, is really clear about the expectations that the people that the adults in 
that are involved in genius board do we have a code of conduct that's really clear about what kind of behavior is acceptable and what's not acceptable um, that's all part of this toolkit and it's a step-by-step -step process that will enable any sport to check what they already have strengthen the things that they do have build the things that they don't have and in the end be able to uh, evaluate for themselves just how well they've done the process and where they what they need to do next and I think that's probably one of the most significant kind of initiatives in in this ambition to to build a, a, a community of sport around children that is going to make sure that they're always safe. It is a very ambitious uh, project, I guess, but it's a, it's a necessary one and, and something that we need to have in place. What difference do you think the strategies are going to make at the, at the end, at the end? I mean, it's, I shouldn't say the end because it's actually an ongoing process and it will evolve over time. It's a change management process. But yeah. if we look you know, five, five years down the track, uh, what difference do you think we'll see? Well, I think that what we'll see is that um, the sports themselves and the people who are, the adults in particular, who are involved in the, the running of junior sport and the, the, you know, the thousands of volunteers and parents that are involved in junior sport, you know, like me, my son plays Aussie rules um, and I can see every week just how many people it takes to get a team of 15, 16 year old boys onto the park to play a game. And I think, so what we'll see is that those people, all these adults that are in and around junior sport will feel confident. They'll have the knowledge and the confidence about what they need to be doing and understanding that makes their sport safe for children. Yeah. They'll know what it is that they need to be looking out for if there's someone who um, they have some concerns about in relation to the way that they're behaving with children. They'll um, all have signed a code of conduct that makes it really clear to not only the, the people involved in this sport, but also to the broader community who are looking at that sport and making decisions about whether... Um, their kids, for example, are going to play their sport, this code of conduct will say to them, you know what, this is how seriously we take child safety. And they'll know that that code of conduct is in place and it'll be guiding their behaviour. Yeah. And I think ultimately what, they'll also, what we'll also see is that kids themselves will feel far more kind of connected to the, the knowledge that if they're worried about something, that if something's going on that's not making them feel right, that they'll have someone to talk to about it and that they that someone will take what they say seriously and act on it. I mean, if we see those changes, then I think we'll know that what we're doing now is is um, working. Yeah. So, so I guess that comes back to awareness. You know, how do we get that mass awareness? We've got the Royal Commission that's currently being conducted that's generated lots of awareness of this issue particularly in sport, um, as much as other sectors. Everyone is aware of that. Uh, but once the Royal Commission hands down its report at the end of the year, how do we keep this on the agenda? How do we keep the awareness up? 
And I guess child abuse takes many forms uh, and we're instantly, a lot of us are instantly drawn to the kinds of abuse we see um, highlighted by the Royal Commission. But there, there's a wide, a, quite a, a broad range um, of definitions, I guess, to child abuse. And that, I think, is key to generating awareness. So, yeah. Joe, what are some of the what are what are some of those um, things that I guess sit on the child abuse spectrum? That's not just what we hear in the Royal Commission. It's actually there's some more subtle uh, areas as well. That's a very good question. Uh, you know, I think what sport needs to understand is that there's really two kind of groupings of abuse that they need to be looking out for. The first one is the abuse that occurs outside of the sporting activity and occurs in kids' families and kids' homes and the places that they live, and where where they bring the signs of that abuse into the sporting field or into the sporting into sport activity, and the people around them, the adults around them, notice it. So that's that's a an important category of abuse. So for example, it's physical abuse. Kids who are being physically harmed by an adult in their life being you know, um, someone who's been punched or kicked or scratched or burnt. I mean, these are really hard, hard topics to to think about. But it's part of what, uh, if we don't sort of face it, we we we're part of a community that also silences it, keeps it silent and secret. So, physical abuse is one of those elements that I think often people in the sporting community might notice about kids, but it's happening at home and they need to know something to do. They need to know what to do about it. You know, there's sexual abuse as well that happens at home or happens within the family. There's family violence that we're seeing more and more about where the adults in the in the household are violent towards one another. Um, and there's the kind of emotional and psychological abuse of children within the family that's that's... Um, severely affecting their development. So it's being berated or it's being called names. It's it's um, where fear and threat and intimidation is a day-to-day experience of what children um, have at home. And I think that sport has a role to know and understand what those signs are and be able to know and understand what they need to do if they see those signs of abuse that are of children that are occurring at home but and those kids are bringing that with them into the sporting activity that they're involved in so that's the first category of abuse the second category of abuse that that sport needs to recognize is that there are there are opportunities unfortunately um, for those adults who intend to hurt children, who, who have a who have a, a, a motivation to to hurt or exploit children, to do it as part of the sporting activity that kids are involved in. So we know that coaches sometimes, for example, groom children, develop special relationships with them in order to sexually abuse them or exploit them down the track. So that's a subtle form of abuse, that grooming, for example, the initial stages of, of what might end up to be even more severe abuse that um, people in sport need to understand. There's also, there's also the emotional and psychological abuse of kids. And, or, you know, I think in the sporting arena, it's probably easier to talk about bullying of kids, but not bullying only from peers to peers, but from... Adults to kids, 
and we've seen that. We've seen that in the media in the last couple of weeks where even junior umpires are being verbally abused and even physically abused by parents on the sideline. So we've got to... That's, that's also part of a, a culture that says, actually, let's remember as adults that this that sport's supposed to be to the benefit of children and not to their detriment. Yep. So the people in and around sport can also hurt kids, and that's what child-safe sport also needs to face up to. Um, pe- people in sport need to face up to is the reality that that adults in and around sport can also either deliberately or sometimes unintentionally hurt children and safe sport needs to develop a culture where kids aren't being hurt. That doesn't mean that they don't be competitive and that they don't have a a desire to win. It's not about making everything just bland. That's what we love about sport. But what we need to do is to make sure that actually the adults are supporting a healthy, competitive, safe sport culture within the local clubs and the places that kids are actually playing. Notwithstanding the the obvious uh, reasons why sport should become child safe, uh, what's in it for sports? I mean, as you said, they're they're pushed as it is for resources. You know, this is yet another thing to be diligent about and to put safeguards in place and no one questions that. But what's the positive in all of this for sports? Well, I think sport is competing with a whole other, a whole lot of other opportunities for kids to use their recreational time. And I think that if sport wants to continue to attract participation from children and families, then they have to realise that they need a competitive edge, not only between the sports themselves, but between sport and other kinds of activities. And I think if you can say you're a child-safe sport, you take the protection of children really seriously, you're committed to not only um, making the sport experience a positive one, but the whole environment in which children are going to play sport will be one that you and your family will enjoy and participate in and be safe in, then I think you're going to be able to attract more people or at least you'll you'll be able to um, uh, not have to compete as much with the other kind of options that are out there. That's one huge positive, I think, for sport to think about. And obviously you've worked in this area for a while, Joe, and you've, you've, you've seen what, what's happening internationally. Where would you place Australian sport on that, on, on that spectrum of, of, of nations, I guess, that are doing something about this important issue? Look, Australia's not doing too badly, but I think we're in the middle of the pack. The dangers for us in the next five to ten years is that once the spotlight of the Royal Commission, as you said, Merrily, is turned off, that this issue will slip down the priority. And it, what will happen is that uh, we'll find ourselves in five or ten years actually having to go backwards again to make sure that those all of these things that we're trying to put in place have been maintained. So we could easily move up towards the top and in fact lead the world in a lot of ways and some in some of the things that we've done over the last couple of years we are leading the world especially around sort of setting the baseline for understanding the change and being able to track that change but you can't rest on your laurels we have to be able to 
make sure that a safe child safe sport culture is delivered in the next few years and a lot of sports are well on their way to doing that and then the biggest challenge is to maintain it and if one child is hurt then we're not doing our job properly in that process agreed that's 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 great so joe one of the things i've really liked the look of of um, some of the work that's been done to date is that linking a sporting organisation and its values back down to every stakeholder in that sport and, and that's one of the key pillars of this strategy is to, to make it human, to, to, to be binding and to have a commitment, an organisational commitment to making one's sport uh, a more safer place for children to play and it's, I think it's linking to those human values and that, that emotion that everyone has by having a, an organisational commitment statement or a club commitment statement, I think that's really powerful and I think that that to me is, is really exciting. Um, it's, it's something that, that we've seen a lot of sports at this point pick up on and they've had some early success, I guess, in connecting people and, and engaging people in this important issue. Yeah, I, I agree, Marilyn. I always say that one of the things that adults need to do for themselves is to stay in touch with the experiences of childhood. Because when you do that, when you when you stay in touch with your own experiences of childhood, you you actually keep alive in you the kind of joy and um, uh, enthusiasm <laughs> that, that childhood has, you know. And when you have that, when you're in touch with what childhood means, you you end up at a spot where you say, I want to do something to make sure that the kids of today have a childhood that is safe and a, and a childhood that offers them opportunities and a childhood that makes the relationships around them be really important to them. And if you can capture that in a statement and really mean it in your own words, right, not something that somebody's given to you, but in your own words as a club, as a state body, as a national body, and really mean it and, and own it, then I think not only are you making a commitment to kids today, but you're also making a commitment back to that little child in you that played sport in a safe way, that wanted to make sure that the, the relationships and that, that sort of feeling of childhood never ended. And I think that's what you're doing when you do that. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, Marilee. Always good to talk.